Yo, what's up? So I am driving. I am driving safely. I have my seatbelt on and I am looking straight ahead. Um, I am not looking down at the camera like that. So I thought I would give you guys a, um, I don't know when I'll have time to do it this week in, in terms of like a writing it out, uh, how I've done in the past, but uh, just a dealer's perspective, a dealer, um, uh, I won't call it a vlog, but just a response uh, to the national in 2021 in Chicago at the Rosemont Convention Center. Uh, my name is Jamil. If you don't know, I'm, I uh, own a shop in Gainesville, Florida, and I uh, the shop is called a Muley Pop Shop. And so uh, if you can't uh, handle the, the steering wheel here, I'm sorry. Uh, that's how this video will go. But I, I wanted to touch on some points from the national from my side, a dealer side. I think that that's not always shared enough. And I think that um, people sometimes uh, you know, find that these, these can be helpful, a lot of learning from these things. <laughs> As you guys can see, my voice is not here. <laughs> I, uh, I've lost my voice. Um, but it is slowly coming back to me. So as it comes back to me, uh, you guys uh, uh, can, can um, uh, let me know when you think I don't sound like a chain smoker. Anyway, let's talk about the national. Let's talk about um, just, you know, the first off thing is the atmosphere. And I mean, there's nothing to compare it to. I mean, I wish I could say, hey guys, this is, this is what it's like. And some people have said to me that we're at the 90s nationals um, you know, late 80s, early 90s nationals that this was comparative to that, but I would disagree because where the market is and, and where we are at with the internet, um, comping of things, um, uh, just pricing, value, uh, there's nothing to compare what this atmosphere was like. Additionally, having people educated uh, in, in the card world that are showing up to this event, I don't know if the final number was around 100,000, but I had heard that that's how many tickets were kind of sold. Um, I mean, that just blows anything out of the water, right? People were, people were, were so friendly. People were so excited to be there. Uh, people were uh, enjoying themselves. I think, that, I think that some people who had never sold before, who were looking to come and dump a bunch of stuff, realized very quickly that it was not going to be easy to do that. Also, Panini uh, did not, was unable to really have the silver pack and VIP gold pack thing go on which they always do. So that was kind of a bummer. But with all that said, um, I think the event was held well. I think people were respectful of one another uh, for the most part. I think uh, people were respectful of boots and, and what was going on for the most part. And uh, I, I was just an overall uh, a success, uh, outstanding success. I, I don't know how to put it any other way. So the atmosphere was great, man. It was, it was awesome. Every night there was something going on after the national. Many of you, I heard there were impromptu trade nights that sprung up. Um, I heard that there were um, major deals done after hours, um, major sales that were done after hours. All those things are so great. Um, the atmosphere, you know, from a standpoint of uh, camaraderie, uh, this, the networking, uh, the vlogging, um, the documenting, all of that. It was, it was just, it was everything you, you could wish and more. Um, so I think what I, the, I just, that's kind of the first thing I want to talk about. Uh, there's probably about four or five different things I wanted to mention, you know, as a dealer perspective. <clears throat> um, let me, let me give you guys some numbers and let me give you guys some nitty gritty about what we did and how we were set up. We had a two 10 by 15, uh, what they call boots. Now they no longer are doing the 10 by 10 boots for Atlantic city and I'll get to Atlantic city probably at the end of this, but uh 10 by 15 boots. Uh, is what we had. So we had a 10 by 30 space. And 
many of you may know, especially my, 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 my friends and, and, and family on blowout. Um, two years ago in Chicago, we had a theft. It's it a big issue. Uh, lost a lot of cards. Have a really cool story coming about that very soon. Um, and I'll just give you a sneak peek, but it's part, partially how I obtained one of the cards that were stolen from that uh, back at the same area. It's gonna come out on our, our YouTube channel soon, the, the card shop show. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. It's just such a cool story about the hobby and I can't wait to share that with you. But, um, you know, that was in the back of my mind. So I wanna talk about boot setup and I wanna talk about security and how, why we did what we did and watching other boots. So we had that setup and the, the back side of our setup, <coughs> Uh, what I did is I created kind of, I brought three eight foot tables with us in these giant SUVs that we're driving and we laid them across the back so we could put up our 20 foot banner sign that we bought. Um, and I bought that for two, two purposes. One, because I wanted to kind of create a wall. I don't want to, you know, have to worry about what happened in 2019. Uh, maybe a little anal OCD about that. But the truth is I just didn't want that to re be, recre be recreated. Um, so what we did is we had this massive Mealy Pops banner had a lot of compliments from it. Uh, Fish from Blowout came up to me. Uh, uh, Dave and Adams, Dave or Adam came up to me. A lot of people, you know, just saying, hey man, this is a real good presence for you. Uh, you really knocked it out the park. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we had the funds to buy that because I think it really became a landmark for people. People telling me that they were using it as a place to meet up with people and stuff, which is so cool and I love that. Uh, we had 18 showcases in a U display. Uh, and then we had the banner behind us and I rented a safe. Now the U display is mainly showcase stuff, but we had some deal boxes in the one corner, deal boxes that were being watched constantly by people. Um, sure, there may have been some stuff there. I, you know, it's almost impossible to know, but we, it was it was really cheaper stuff that we wanted to give people deals on. So if you came by and you got some stuff at the at the deal area, please give us a shout out. Let us know what you found. Um, it was 50% off for the first three days, and the last day it was 70% off and 50% off slabs. So it was awesome. We just giving people deals, had fun with that. Uh, my father, uh, one, two, three, four employees, a uh, good friend named Tim, who's kind of like an employee, but he doesn't, he doesn't really work for us. He's just involved um, in a lot of things. We manned the booth, um, my wife and myself as well. And then on the other part of the U, uh, it was kind of our buying area, our buying area. And, and, and what happened, and I think people realize this about the Mealy Pops team, is that we we uh we have a good efficient fair and i i believe quick way to set up and buy from people now that's not 100 percent of the time because i'm not always there brian wasn't always there but when brian and i were together we do most shows together and uh we're very quick and very very cut and dry with people i don't want to waste people's time i know that they don't want to waste my time uh well some people do <laughs> but um uh we uh we, we went through about, I would say, 100 to maybe 150 people each day trying to sell us something through that area. And we bought a lot of stuff. We paid fairly. Uh, and there was a lot of stuff that came up that was, un, was priced incredibly unfair. And people didn't know their comps. Now, I'll get to that part with the selling and buying aspect. But I just wanted to kind of go over our booth space. Internally in our booth, we had about eight chairs. Uh, we had stuff tucked away underneath, mainly the box, the cardboard box that we brought stuff in and snacks. And we had a refrigerator that the safe guy hooked us up with. Um, so it was it was a really cool experience, had a really good setup. And and I think for anybody doing card shows, especially the national, 
you just gotta pony up, maybe split it with some people and rent a safe. The guys who rent the safes are great. Uh, uh, the guy we met, he was super kind, super helpful. I, I really strongly recommend that uh, or bring your own safe. Uh, the reason why is there's too much stuff that you just, when it comes to money, high-end cards, buys, electronics, that you can lose so easily. Now, I didn't hear much about theft at the show. Um, I know about two instances, but nothing like it was two years ago in Chicago, which is great news. And I'm, I'm thankful for the Rosemont police and the police that work the event. Um, I did see a video today on Instagram of a guy uh, with the early dealer vendor badge. I don't think he was set up, but uh, stealing jersey cards and he had a whole backpack full of stuff and the cops arrested him. And I was like, what, you, what an idiot, you know what I mean? It's so dumb, but um, I'm glad he got caught. Um, I do know of something that may, many may not know about, and I don't want to push this or say that this was what it was so. I'll just kind of tell you what I was told. But I do know of one or two corporate boots after hours. These are hours after, so I don't know if somebody hit or what happened or how it happened. But after hours, where items were stolen, um, and that info comes from a, a pretty solid source. So that makes me also think even more so about how important it is to not only have a safe, but also that you really can't trust people. And we're in a day and time when um, theft is apparent. I'm not sure if other people heard that. Maybe you guys can comment down below and let me know. But uh, we'll put this on our, our YouTube show. We'll put this our, YouTube, our card shop show. We'll put this on uh, Instagram. Uh, we'll put it on uh, Slap Stocks, Mealy Stocks. But just uh, some more dealer perspective stuff. So uh, our setup was great. We always had about four to seven people in the booth at any time. I think we were pretty quick with our display cases. They were always locked. Uh, we always help people at a high-end section with high-end wax. And uh, we had you know keen eyes on those. Um, I, I know for a fact that we didn't get anything stolen, so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful God that you know none of that happened. But um, I know that other people may have gone through that. And I'm, I'd, I'd love, I'm an open book on that. So if you ever want to talk about it, please feel free to reach out. Um, the traffic in the show was quite intense. Um, at any time we may have had 20 to 30, and I think at one time I counted 37 people at our booth. That's a lot, you know, that's a lot with not just eyes, but also, you know, you want people to feel like they can talk to somebody and get a, get an answer on a card or get a picture or, you know, get an offer on a buy or whatever it is. I do know we had a, a buying line throughout the week, <laughs> a line of people who were waiting to sell to us uh, or take pictures or some, come meet us, which is incredibly humbling because you know I, I always think of me just attending these events. I don't think that people wanna come see us um, or our team um, and it, it, it uh, it's just very humbling. So I say that to all you guys who did come out and say hello, took a picture, uh, tagged us, whatever, did a deal with us, sold us something. Thank you from the bottom of my heart because it just shows how uh, much the family of the hobby really is, you know? All right, so uh, just continuing to kind of consider these things. Um, let's talk about buying and selling. So I thought buying from my side, I know I'm a dealer and I know that I'm, I'm buying more quantity. I thought it was fair for the most part. I didn't think there was any sort of crazy deals. I really didn't see anybody selling out a booth. That's very interesting to me. That's been a thing of the past. Uh, maybe some of you guys know about it, but I didn't see anybody who just said, yeah, take all this for X amount of dollars. Um, which I've done in the past and I've enjoyed doing that because it's very helpful for the shop. Um, what I did notice is many people coming up to us to sell stuff 
And here's three things that, that, that I know is not, and you can even talk to Money Bison, Brian, who sat next to me as well. One was people <laughs> just not knowing what their cards are worth. So when you go to somebody and say, I want to sell this, you don't really want to sell it because you don't know what it's worth. So if you're just asking for a blind offer, what it does is it creates a lot of problems. Like some of these cards are so rare and so, so unique, no idea. So I'm trying to find information. I might ask a, a person, what are the comps? What have you seen sale? Any like sales? And, and what happens, and I just have probably about 30% of the time, there was no information. So then it takes more time for the dealer to look it up, find info. Now I know some of those people are saving face and playing dumb, but it's, it's just a game, right? And that's not how we are operate. So first off, there were a lot of people who did no comps. Second, a lot of people had not checked comps, or again, they might've been saving face or lying, but really in the last two weeks. And you show them a comp for the last five days, three days ago, show them a comp that's very fair, you know, to what they're saying their card is worth and them just not believing it. And I get their market manipulation. I get that there's stuff like that. I get that there are people who manipulate data as well. But for the most part, it just didn't make sense. And I, I guess maybe that's, I, I, I'm not mad about it. I think that might show us today in 2021 you know, where we're at from the consumer base and the education that's required, the amount of people that are still getting into this hobby, um, which is great. And I think that we have an opportunity for us, you know, people who have been doing this for a while to educate and teach people that. Um, I, I talked with some guys, you know, some big dealers and do a lot online. Their estimates are 500 to 1.5 million new people in the hobby over the past year to 18 months. Think about that for a second. One, uh, five, uh, half a million to 1.5 million people, new customers that have bought something from these guys' websites or eBay or whatever in the last year. That's incredible, man. That's awesome. I think that's, uh, that's just a, a unique a unique perspective uh, for where we are. And it's exciting to me as a shop owner and someone who loves the hobby, you know? So, uh, as we consider all those things, the third part about the buying uh, that I did notice was the percentages that people wanted on stuff. Um, it, it never made sense, right? You might say to somebody, hey, I'm not looking for junk slabs. I'm not looking for junk, you know, uh, low end. I don't want to use the word junk, but I'm not using, uh, I'm not looking for a low end quantity. Um, and then they would continue to show you that. Uh, you'd see them. I also see the same people back with the same stuff three days later, five to four days later. And I didn't understand that side of it either. Maybe they just got overwhelmed with who they were showing their cards to. Um, but us dealers do remember where this stuff comes from, right? So uh, just just a little, um, you know, I guess advice in that is, you know, knowing your comps, knowing what your card's worth and having some idea what you want for something goes a long way with a dealer versus them trying to figure it out, them giving you a realistic offer, then maybe you're getting insulted or whatever. So. Just I'm telling you that it helps a lot. Uh, it saves everybody time and makes the, and the experience much more enjoyable. Um, the content of what I was seeing really makes you become desensitized to how rare stuff is. There were so many people that had so many great cases, so many great items. <laughs> but I'm going to make a, a statement here, and I don't want you guys to get offended. But a PSA 10 Luka Doncic Silver is not that rare or special of a card anymore. You know, a, uh, an, uh, an Acuna PSA 10 tops update 
uh, uh, PSA 10 bat down. Not that rare anymore. I, I'm saying this to you guys because I feel like I saw so many of those cards. And I, I, you know, as a card shop owner, you only see so much of that. But then you realize how many Kobe autographs there really are. How many LeBron autographs there really are. You know, how many, how many cards are signed by so many people in so many ways. Here's another one. How many parallels there are that are low numbered and, and, and look like they're worth a ton of money, but really they're not. Select Basketball just came out. 135 parallels for every single card. 35 one of ones for every player. Black Ice, Pulsar, Mamba. What is that, right? So I guess what I'm, I'm sharing in that element is the things that we once thought were, were rare and were, were once maybe super sought after are not so as much. And there's so many different parallels to that, that when you're going to sell that stuff or trade that stuff, remember, it may be incredibly rare to you, but that may not be the case with many dealers. They may have seen that or some iteration of it so many times. Hopefully that makes sense. I'm not trying to make anybody feel like their cards aren't worth it. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm trying to, to explain the variance and the, uh, um, the lack of there. Uh, there's two there, not the lack of variance, the too, too much variance um, within the same kind of card uh, across the market. Panini tops, upper deck, leaf, everything, right? All right, so let's get to another point, which I think is important. And that is um, the buying uh, side. So my side of things, what I notice, and I think this is probably one of the, the most, maybe a lot of people will, will wanna hear this because of they do shows and stuff like that. The national this year, I mean, I think we were priced well on stuff, but our high end stuff that was really rare, you know, we had a price, we gave, we asked people to give offers, yada, yada. I found that the best stuff to, that was selling were cards that were between that 400 range for our booth and that like $2,000 range. Did we sell cards that were over that? Absolutely. Did we sell cards underneath that? Absolutely. Did we bring a lot of cards under 200 bucks? Not a lot, but we had boxes of it. We sold some of that. I think when people come to the national, they're looking for those cards that there's a massive potential in, uh, in the next upcoming season, or if they hold them for some time where they can make a lot of money. So a 500 to an 800 to a 1500 to a $2,000 card, maybe you come with $10,000 to the national and you buy 10 or 15 of those types of cards, hopeful with those goals leaving. I think that single market, that's what I was seeing the most of. If you have high end, what I'm noticing is that everybody wants to, here's what I noticed. Everybody wants the high end. They want to pay you about half of what you want for it and then give you the other half in trade, but they only want to show you some cards that they want to offer to it. And the, the, the side of it for me is I don't want those cards for the rare item that I have. I just want to sell that card. So if I'm being, you know, in a sense, force fed cards to take and trade or cards I don't really want, I'm going to value my card higher and value your, your cards lower because now it creates more work for me to make the money as compared to selling it. I hope you understand that. That's not a knock to anybody, but think of it this way. I have all my stuff out. I have all my best stuff out. I have everything that you could see. And yet you have a box and you're only showing me four cards that I have to take for one of my best cards. That happened about 500 times this weekend. And so I'm pretty hard on that because I don't want to, I don't want to take trade and on something that I know is very valuable. Now, if I was, if I needed money or whatever on the card and I wanted to move it, yeah, I'd be more willing and that's okay to ask, but please understand that side, my friends, is um, when you say, 
here, I'll trade you this, 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 and this and give you X amount of dollars for that. And I don't want this, 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 or that. It's going to be a really hard deal to do. Um, and I don't think a lot of people got that. I mean, I'm just being honest. I share with a lot of people that, and I said, if you're making me take a thousand and trade on this $3,000 card, I'm going to value my card at 3,000. I'm going to take that a thousand and what I would pay for it, which might be, if I don't want it, maybe 65% if I don't want it, 55% value. Uh, if I wanted the cards, maybe I'll be 75 or 80 or 85%, whatever, but it's a money element, right? It's a value assessment. So that whole world of trading at the national is very time consuming. I had multiple people come with me. I, I trusted them on their comps. They came, knocked me down on my stuff. And then when I researched their stuff, it went from a $20,000 card to the last sale being $11,000 or $8,000 or whatever. So it doesn't work that way, guys, when you're dealing with people who know the market. We, we, we love you guys. We love the hobby. The hobby is what it is, but just be fair. I think that's the key I'm trying to share with you guys. Um, hopefully that, that, that speaks a little bit uh, to my perspective uh, on that end. Um, a couple things about the dealer badges, and I'll talk about grading, and I'll probably wrap this up because I know I'm long-winded. It's already at 20 minutes. Um, if you can, get a dealer badge from a friend. Try and help him in the booth because you'll have access on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday... I did, uh, uh, I'll just give numbers. I sold, I want to say it was like $29,000 in sales. I bought about $15,000 in cards on a day that was supposed to be only for just setting up, right? Um, I actually didn't leave my booth that day uh, to go buy much. It was just stuff that walked up and stuff that I sold. Uh, Tuesday is a key day, guys. Uh, it's the early setup day. If you can help a friend set up and get an early setup, do it. If you're a dealer who's thinking about coming to the show, don't come on Wednesday and set up. It's such a bad move. Do it on Tuesday. Have Wednesday and be ready. Um, you know, Tuesday was a busy day. You know, everybody's trying to get in and out. Wednesday got crazy. Wednesday night for those four hours with the VIP, incredibly nuts. Thursday, I thought was the busiest uh, from the uh, selling, buying side. Friday was busy, but in spurts. And then Saturday was chaos. Uh, and then Sunday was pleasantly busy. And I even sold cards. I sold uh, uh, fifteen or eighteen thousand dollars in cards in the last hour. There, it was pretty cool. Um, so I'm sharing that stuff with you guys. Um, not in the last hour, in the last fifteen minutes, right before we're trying to back up. I'm sharing that with you guys to kind of understand how it went through the week. Could that change? Yeah, it could change every every year. But I think it's starting to follow suit. Where Wednesday is a four hour just craziness. Thursday becomes the first full day. Friday, people are drained. Saturday, everybody flies in for the weekend. And then Sunday, you have the Saturday, Sunday crowd. <laughs> so it, it is what it is. Trade night was awesome uh, with Card Collector 2 and Jimmy, Kentucky basketball cards um, on Thursday. It was really packed. I did some deals in there, but I, I felt like it was too much. I think for uh, someone who went there for the first time, and if they were any shy in any way, that would have been hard to do anything at. Um, but it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, you met a lot of people, saw a lot of people, saw a lot of cool stuff. I bet you there was a lot of theft at that event because I was watching how tables operated. People were putting all their cards out. <clears throat> I, I just think that there was probably a lot of theft at that and people didn't really think about how they wanted to operate at trade night. Um, I went to um, a, a Penny Directs thing on Wednesday night, which is really cool. Uh, we had two of our guys also in our booth, Tim and Brian. We got invited to a whatnot celebration at Wrigley Field. Uh, Tim, it's funny, he's a Cubs fan. He went and got to see Chris Bryant's last strikeout um, at Wrigley, his last at bat be a strikeout looking. And of course, Tim's very negative about the Cubs right now. So 
and I'm a Cardinals fan, so I love it. But no, they went to Wrigley, had a really cool experience. Uh, the whatnot people were really great. They do a lot of cool stuff there. Friday, um, uh, I had a uh, party with Southern, and I also had Southern Navi, a distributor, and I also had an opportunity to go spend some time with Aaron at Slapstock's uh, charity night. Really cool, really awesome what they did for the Camp Kesem kids. Um, I think overwhelming support in that. That was so unique. And then Saturday, what we did is we took a step back, took our team out to Gibson's, had a really nice dinner, kind of relaxing a little bit, um, taking a step back. Uh, if, if Panini had their VIP party, it'd be a little different. I don't know how Saturday would have run. And then Sunday is uh, really exhausting. We left at 7.30 from the building and we got somewhere at 2 a.m. and crashed. And now I'm on the road right now. So that's kind of the, the lifestyle, the, the schedule of the itinerary, um, you know, in that. And the last thing I'll talk about is um, grading and maybe the setup of the of the of the uh, venue, so you guys can kind of hear what I my thoughts on it. And that'll be my my dealer review for 2021. If you guys want me to do a part two or you have some follow up questions, I'll try my best to get to that um, and, and get to you guys. For those of you who've been listening the whole time, I do body bag everything at night. We take our high end cards as well away or put them in the safe. <laughs> I was thinking about that from a security standpoint. I saw many people who didn't have body bags. If you don't have a body bag, go to 305 Sports Cards or go find one. You buy it, you zip it up, you lock it. It's, it's a very huge detriment to theft. Okay, so grading, what I heard for the most part was that grading was incredibly crazy. Thursday, PSA said, we're not taking any more of the Express. We already hit 80% capacity for the week. The final 20% was for dealers. I was lucky I had a, an ability to, to work with some group submitters and, and get some stuff submitted throughout the week. But PSA um, were, were slammed as expected. Beckett also slammed. I did some RCRs with them. Uh, worked with Sappy uh, Sports Cards on that. Um, you know, got some stuff back. I had heard that the grading, just from perspective, was that PSA was very strong or was very lenient. And Beckett was very hard. I don't know if there's any truth to that. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys think about in the comments. Um, I don't want to talk about SGC or HGA or CSG just because I don't really do a lot with them. Mike Baker, I don't really do a lot with that stuff. Um, but again, they were present, and you guys can let me know how your experiences were with that. I want to hear about that. Um, I think we're at a point with grading where I'm going to say this, and I think it's important. You can pay for quicker services and they'll be cheaper from different companies. But I do know from the buying and the, and the secondary market side, they are not sought after. And I'm not going to name names because I don't want to do that. But I know PSA is on a hiatus. I just wonder if it's, it makes more sense for a lot of people on the blue chip cards or the cards that are, that are never really going to fluctuate much to just hold them. I'm seeing a lot of cards and gradings uh, and grading slabs. And I look at it and I look at the value and, and I look at how nobody really wants them when they buy it. It just seems like it's a pain in the butt, guys. I don't want to knock graders and say don't grade with them because they do great work. But I just don't know. I just don't know. I, I'm seeing more and more of these slabs where people are paying 30, 50, 100 bucks to get stuff slabbed. And the card's getting, you know, an 8 or an 8.5 in these grading slabs. And I just think to myself, like, you just lost a ton of money. Like, you didn't gain anything, you know? Um, maybe you like it because it's slabbed, that's cool. Um, and I'm props to you for that if you just want it slabbed. But if you're going from the market side to resell, really think about what you're doing with grading. Um, Brian and I talked about that the whole week, how we're seeing just so many cards in these slabs with such bad grades. 
And I don't know why people are doing that. So please do your research on grading. All right, lastly, here we go. We'll close it up. Uh, the venue was unique. The very front was the, uh, the, the, the people who were grandfathered in for 20, 30, 40 years. I think when you first walk in, you see a lot of old kind of stale vintage and you'll see golden and you'll see the people who paid a gazillion dollars to be at the front. Um, then as you walk to the back left, the back middle, uh, the, the front middle, uh, you're seeing vendors that are really fair, cool, modern, vintage, whatever, memorabilia. Corporate was in the middle. Corporate was, was just packed all the way around. If you tried to cut up through corporate, specifically in between Blowout or Steel City or any of those places, I mean, you were rubbing elbows with everybody. Um, where we were at in the back, uh, by the concessions, we had an open area, so I felt our presence was really good. I was next to my buddies, Indy Card Exchange, RBI Crew, Sports Card Junction, Costa Cards, <coughs> Brothers in Cards, and I think a lot of branding right there, a lot of people that know those people, so there were a lot of people back there that everybody knew, which was really beautiful, uh, kind of cycled around, which is really cool. A lot of card shops back there, which is also really cool. Uh, Jimmy was also very close, Kentucky Basketball Cards. Uh, Ryan was very close card collector too, so it was really cool to kind of see all that uh, and how close everybody was, help each other out. Uh, as you got to the right side on the red carpet and the far right, what I noticed there was those were probably where you got the best deals. I feel like those are people that were not as established, but no knock on those people. It's just that there was uh, more freedom and you saw kind of a range in cards, not the uber high end stuff. I mean, I thought that was a cool area. Um, I made a lot of deals over in that area as well. Shout out to all those folks in the red carpet on the far right. I know you guys were in the corner there, but I think you did well. And then, um, you know, you had the autograph pavilion, which for me, I had never gone to. I had, I had to meet with Ric Flair um, uh, as part of his collector's con thing. I think it's people can see that I'm trying to utilize some things to get him involved and other people that I can't really announce yet. Um, so I had a meeting with him to see if he could make it. Um, but I went over there to autograph pavilion Autograph Pavilion was was just to me madness. I'd never been there over there before in my five, six years of doing the national. And it was just madness, man. Absolute madness. Um, how it was all set up. I don't know how you guys do it, you graphers with memorabilia, but you did it. And uh, I do know that Ric Flair uh, signed for four hours that, that Saturday, which was awesome. Uh, that, guy's a, that guy's a beast. Um, uh, looked really unique. I think Emmett and Barry were there. They were charging quite a bit of money, but at least you guys, you know, you got your stuff signed. Um, which is cool. Um, I don't really have a lot of thoughts on the autograph pavilion. Um, it is kind of what it is. Um, uh, it, was just, it, just, it was crazy. I'd never been over there before when I was busy. So that'll wrap it up, my thoughts. Hopefully I gave you guys some insight. Um, if you guys want a part two or you want some questions answered, please let me know. Um, I'm driving here. I'm trying to keep be safe, just looking straight, not looking down at the camera, as I said before. But um, if you want to follow us, we're on Instagram, uh, shopmealypops. TikTok is Mealy Pops. Uh, YouTube is the Card Shop Show. We did our first two vlogs, day one and then day two and kind of three. Uh, those are up for the national. We're working on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday vlog, which is more of not a vlog, but just a kind of a show. You really guys will really like that one. Please check that out. That's gonna be really cool. Hopefully we get it done by like Wednesday or Thursday this week. Uh, my, my film guys are uh, uh, working very hard as their full-time jobs they went back to. But uh, we'll have that out soon. And like I said earlier on the Card Shop Show, YouTube, and other platforms, we have a really cool story about how I obtained one of the cards that I had gotten stolen from me two years ago. I think it's a, it really shows light on the hobby and how cool it is. And then just lastly, we're also on uh, Twitter. I think we're Shot Mealy Pops on Twitter. And of course, Facebook, the Mealy Pops. 
shop, mealypops.com. You get your wax. Break with us Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday night. And everybody on our team, myself, Meredith, my father, Playa Tim, Money Bison, Goose, Paul, Joey, um, Boca Bill, Robert Sanders, probably missing some people, I'm sorry. But we all just want to say uh, thank you guys so much for making this a tremendous success for us. Thank you so much for um, for really just being there, uh, supporting the Mealy Pops kind of movement. Uh, I've met so many of you from Mealy Pops Madness, which is one of our sales that we do on Instagram, and we move some to TikTok. Uh, we'll have another one of those in two weeks. Mealy Pops Madness was crazy. Um, and everybody has said to me how enjoyable that experience is to buy cards in a safe environment, have fun, get deals, you know, uh, be sniped or snipe somebody else. Just the, 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 the wildness that is Mealy Pops Madness. Met so many of you from that. Had a lot of you talking about the card shop show and how you appreciate what we're doing on YouTube. Please subscribe to that channel and tell other people. And then lastly, uh, many of you talking about Slap Stocks uh, uh, vlog, uh, podcast that we do called Mealy Stocks. All right, guys, I think I'm gonna call it. This has been a long, long bit of information, but thank you guys. The Chicago National is awesome. We will see you in Atlantic City. It is sold out. It was wild getting our booth for that event, but I'm looking forward to the Atlantic City National in one year, and I'll see all of you there. Can't wait for you guys to get there. All righty, God bless. Mealy Pops out.